0: Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. One more hand clap today. It's good to see you in the house of God. Come on, why don't you turn to your neighbor, just tell him you're lucky you got to sit by me today in the house of God. And let's do this. Let's welcome, come on, Dumas, Texas. It's your first Sunday officially as a His Church. We welcome Dumas, Texas. Come on, Dumas. Owensboro, let's give Owensboro a hand clap. Henderson, Kentucky, a hand clap. We love you. We're glad you're with us right now. And I love to be in Amarillo, Texas. And I want to take one moment before we start, and I want to congratulate everyone at the Dumas campus. They've worked so hard, renovated the building, painted the place. Man, you turned and changed the kids' ministry. And some of you worked every night. I heard about some families that were there every weekend working and serving. Come on, let's give all those volunteers a massive hand clap. Awesome. You 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 got out, you invited, you got the word out, and this last week we had 315 people at the lunch and 20 or 25 people made a decision for Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, all of our campuses all to celebrate that. We have a brand new church family in Dumas, Texas. Pastor Frank, Pastor Teresa, we love you. We believe in you. We honor you. And I declare revival is coming to Dumas, Texas. Revival is coming to your families. Revival's coming to that church. Revival's coming to that city. We declare it. Revival's not coming. I'm going to say it's here. Come on, turn to somebody and just tell them revival is here this morning. Amen. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm going to teach. And I, I kind of had a, the... I felt impressed by the Lord to teach on a certain topic uh, just a couple of days ago. Now, I was thinking about years ago, uh, we would take guys... We do men's trips, and we go down to the Okoe River in Georgia, and we go whitewater rafting. How many of y'all have ever been white? Anybody out there ever been whitewater rafting? You can do it over here, I think, Colorado as well, and uh, Virginia, West Virginia, the Golly. And, and I liked it. I used to like it a lot more when I was younger than I like it now. I liked it more in my 20s than I do in my in my 40s. But uh, we take a bunch of guys, and it was a blast. You know, you go down to Georgia, and we get out on the river. And, uh, and then we would kind of, you go through those rapids. We quit going to that one because we got so many guys injured every year. It was like we were carrying guys out on cots, right? We had guys getting massive wounds uh, sewed up and getting biceps reattached to their arms. And I don't know, it was a real rodeo. So uh, we quit going. But I remember we would do this. When you got down through the, the hardest part of the rapids, and if you had kind of a wild boat guide with you, you could get him and we'd tip him. I'd say, I'll give you, you know, we tip him big because we learn what they do. We'll tip you big, take us up to a boat with some guys on it, get us close to them when they can't see us coming. And then you jump out of your boat and you try to tackle them out of their boat into the river, right? And you try to take their ship from them. And uh, I love doing stuff like that because I was raised with all brothers, right? Into, into the water. And I remember we, we come up and I'm not going to pick a small guy to jump on because only a candy does that. Can I get an Amen. You want somebody that is equal to you or ought to be able to whip you if you're going to jump on them, if you're a man, right? And so we come, we come rolling up on a boat, and I pick a pretty big guy. This guy was kind of a bodybuilder back at the time, but he doesn't see me coming. How I many know sneak attack is always the best attack, right? Doesn't see me coming, doesn't know I'm coming. They pull me right up by him, and, and, and I catch him. I jump, and I'll tell you, I know I may look kind of, I'm like a puma. I'm a 250-pound Boom a cat up here! I jump from my boat to him, and he turns around. And he sees me coming about midair, and I'll tell you, I see sheer terror on this guy's face. Right? I hit him. I catch him just right. Both of us go into the water, and he's so mad at me at this point, and uh, really looked just terrified. This has been almost fifteen years ago. I mean, I was I was a kid preacher back then. He looks terrified. And uh, we're all right, everybody starts fighting in the boats and we get back in and we have a big time. But I'll tell you, that guy jumping on him, um, his life was kind of like that. Nobody don't know who he is anymore in our churches. He had everything on the outside going for him. You ever met anybody like that? But on the inside, this man was always terrified. Always. Everything on the outside, blessed, but somewhere in his thinking, he was cursed. You ever met anybody like that? Man, I'm telling you, there's a way you see yourself that defines you in life. And I'll tell you, God already sees you as blessed. Can I get an amen out there? In his son, Jesus Christ, you are already blessed. So why are you living your life through the eyes of terror? You don't have to let an ounce of the curse stay attached to your life. Come on, come on. We're not going to live thinking as cursed people or terrified people or fear-filled people. We're going to live as blessed people, as anointed people, as people that win. Come on, Dumas, Texas, you're blessed. Henderson, Kentucky, you're blessed. Owensboro, Kentucky, you're blessed. And Amarillo, Texas, you're blessed. Turn to your neighbor, just tell them you're blessed and not cursed. Amen. I want us to see ourselves as blessed. That's my, that's my whole job today, to get you to think blessed. All right, I want you to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. At every campus, Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 9 through 14. I love this text. I, I quote it all the time. It's one of my go-to texts in life. It's the way I choose to see myself. I want to see myself as the Scripture sees me, as Jesus sees me. I want you to see yourself the same way. Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 through 14, here's what it says. It says, Then those who are of faith, come on, somebody say faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things, which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Come on, here's the big, here's what I want you to walk away with this next verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Come on, let's say that. Let's read that out loud together. I want you to get that in your spirit. Let's say that. Say, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's say it again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's say it one more time. Come on. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we don't have cursed thinking, but that we have blessed thinking. I pronounce our mind is renewed. I pronounce that the curse is broken, and I pronounce that the blessing is here in Jesus' mighty name, and the church said amen. Come on, give him one more hand clap by faith that he's going to do something big in every house this morning. Amen. So, so here's the, the things we're talking about. We're talking about the, these elements in the text we just read, talking about the potential that you can be a blessed person. How many of y'all think it sounds good to be blessed? Does that sound like a deal or what? And uh, let me define blessed the way I see blessed. When I read through the whole lens of the Scripture, in the New Testament when it says blessed, it's like happy or eternally happy are you. But, but here's the way I would define what the blessed persons looks like. If you read throughout all the scripture when you're blessed, here's what it, here's what it is. You are, you are anointed to win. Whenever you're blessed, you're anointed to win. Come on, all I do is win. Can I get an amen out there? You're anointed to win. The, the second thing I believe when you're blessed is you're empowered to prosper. You are empowered to prosper. What does it mean to prosper, to go forward in life? So I'm anointed to win. I'm empowered to prosper. The last thing I believe whenever you're blessed is you are impossible to curse. Anointed to win, empowered to prosper, and impossible to curse. That's what, that's what the Christian life looks like. Come on, let's say that out loud. Say, I'm anointed to win. I'm empowered to prosper, and I'm impossible to curse. So, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, and he's talking about curses and blessings. He's talking about faith and Jesus. And here's the deal it is possible to be a cursed person. See, uh, uh, curses aren't just like something you see on a Stephen King show. It's not just uh, something for uh, books and, and, and stories about vampires and werewolves. A lot of times, any story type thing you run into, it has some root in the truth. And then the truth gets fantasized a little bit, more gets put on it. Because how many know people that tell stories, they get the gift of putting just a little too much on it sometimes, right? Uh, how many of y'all have ever tell a story that gets better every time you tell it, right? And then you're like, maybe I'm putting a little too much on that story story. after a while well well I'll tell you there really isn't such a thing as a curse and if you go all the way back to the book of beginnings Genesis Adam and Eve are in the garden and there's one thing they're not supposed to touch in the garden in the center of the garden there's a tree that was bearing fruit and Adam and Eve they go to the center of the garden they take the fruit they eat it they break the law of God sin enters into the world and where sin is death comes forth Right where sin always takes us as something dies in our life when we give ourselves to sin. That's why sin, I'm against it. You know what Billy Sunday used to say about sin? He'd say this, sin, I'm against it. With my fist, I punch it. With my foot, I kick it. With my teeth, I bite it. And when I'm old and fistless and footless and toothless, I shall try to gum it to death. Come on, somebody, sin, we're against it, amen? Why? Because it brings forth death. It releases a curse. So after sin comes into the world, God walks down and He starts to prophesy. I mean, know it's strong when God prophesies Himself. God walks into the garden Himself and He prophesies and He prophesies to Adam and Eve and He tells them some things that are going to happen because death entered into the world. Now sin is there, and there's some words spoken over females, males, and the devil. This curse comes. And every person on the earth that's outside of Jesus, outside of Jesus, every person on the earth is a cursed person. Outside of Jesus, every person on the earth is a cursed person. I know that sounds negative, but I got good news. Inside of Jesus, every person on the earth is a blessed person. Amen. How many of you are in Jesus? Let me see your hands today. Come on, you ought to say out loud, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Amen. What does that mean? You're anointed to win, you're empowered to prosper, and you're impossible to curse. I was talking to a, a dear pastor friend of mine, uh, one of my running mates the other day, and we we're talking about a family we knew. And we were kind of going through all the issues this family has and has had. And it's like generational. And I know there's a lot of us, there's no such thing as a normal family. Can I get an amen? And if there were a normal family when we were born into it, we messed it up, right? That's the way it works. And, uh, but some families, you just watch, they have an extraordinary amount of trouble in their family, in their kids, in their grandkids, in their life. And it just keeps going. We were talking about what all happened, and I've known these people for 30 years. Well, maybe not. I mean, they've been in the church 30 years. I've known them for 20 or so. And um, out there somewhere, they're not in this church anymore, but, but Christian folk. And, and we were talking to each other, and it's like, man, it's like those people are cursed. You know, it's possible for people just to be cursed, but that curse doesn't have to remain on their life. They can be blessed. See, the curse starts in the garden. Then the then the Jews receive the Torah, the Pentateuch, or the law that they were to live by. It's the first five books of the Bible. And you ought to read Deuteronomy chapter 28 later. But there's all of these blessings that come if you obey the law. And there's all of these curses that come if you disobey the law. Pretty much the, the Torah can be summed up like this. Obey the law and you'll be blessed. Break the law and you'll be cursed, and so the Jews have all these laws they have to obey. Somebody, uh, bring me a bottle of water right down there from there, Pastor Jordan. I'll, I'll show you. People go to great lengths trying to keep the law because Paul said what we just wrote is that that when you when you keep the law any point of it you have to keep all of it, or the curse comes upon your life. If you break any point of the law, that curse. Comes upon what you're doing. How many of y'all found that it is impossible to be a perfect human and never to mess up or break the law at all? How many of y'all found it to be impossible? Can I get some of you all aren't lifting your hands? So I want y'all to pray for me because I'm missing something, all right? Uh, turn to your neighbor and just say it's impossible. And, and proving that it's impossible, here's the kind of things we're going to Israel next week, uh, about 15 of us from the church, and, and I'm excited, I'm pumped up, and we'll go to Jerusalem. And, and a lot of the, the places where people are very observant in Israel, uh, when the Sabbath rolls around, you'll walk up to the elevator to go to your hotel room. And okay, on the other days, let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, you walk up and you push your stand on floor 13, you push floor 13, takes you right up to floor 13. But you walk in on the Sabbath, all right, and you get on the elevator and you want to go to floor 13, you push the buttons, nothing happens because it's on Sabbath mode. And so then you ride up to floor number one, it opens, nobody gets off. You ride up to floor number two, it opens, closes. Floor number three opens and closes. Four opens and closes. All the way up to 13, you gotta watch every door open. Why? Because to push a button on the elevator would be to work on the Sabbath, breaking the law and making you unclean. It's wild, isn't it? You go to dinner, all right? You'll eat your dinner in one room. There's a dining room where you'll be served meat, but there's no coffee. How many know at the end of a meal you gotta have coffee? Can I get an amen out there? How many caffeine speed freaks are my family in this room and every campus right now? Come on, I know I got you out there. And uh, you gotta have it. Well, you can't have it in that room in Israel. Why? Because there's dairy to be served with coffee. And it's not kosher. The Bible says you can't cook a kid or boil a kid in its mother's milk. You can't mix the milk and the meat from a similar animal. So it's served in another room. Why? To keep from breaking the law. Because if you break the law, there's a curse. You know, it, it was said you can't travel on the Sabbath. But some rabbis begin to allow people to travel on water. You could take a boat on the Sabbath because the current could push you and it's not been working. So you know what some of the Jews do in New York now on the Sabbath? that have to travel. They'll take a bottle of water, put it under their car seat. And now when you're traveling across New York, you are traveling on water in an attempt to fulfill the law. Don't we have a lot of crazy tricks as humans? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all have done some stuff like that yourself? Can I get an amen out there, right? Trying to make it right when you know it's not right. All of this is an attempt to fulfill the law. It is impossible to fulfill the law. There's only one thing that could fulfill the law. His name is Jesus. He fulfilled the law for you 2,000 years ago on the cross of Christ, hung on a tree so you don't have to be cursed anymore. You can be blessed. Somebody shout out loud, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Amen. So you got to learn to see yourself as Blessed. So many people still see themselves as cursed. That's why all of these things can be true in reality without a shadow of a doubt. How many of y'all believe what the Bible says about that, that you are no longer cursed, you're blessed? Y'all believe what the Scripture says? All right? So we know that we believe that, but sometimes our mind hasn't been trained to think blessed. Let me tell you, the Jewish world has trained itself, and they've trained their children, not everybody perfectly, but as a culture, they view themselves as a blessed people. Why? Because God showed up and spoke to their forefather Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make your name great. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And they told that story again and again to their children. They taught it in the temple and in the synagogues, it was woven into their very DNA. And now you can take the Jews and they could be attacked. The Assyrians attacked them in 722. The Babylonians attacked them in 586. They were attacked and persecuted by the Medo-Persians and the Romans. You go into modern history, Europeans attacked them. The Germans uh, exterminated, killed millions of them. But I'll tell you what, no matter how far you put the Jews down, they keep rising back up to a position of power of influence and economic success. And they will continue to do so. Now, I'll tell you, we're a church, his church. We're a church that's a friend of Israel. We are pro-Israel. We are for Israel. We bless the nation of Israel. We stand with Israel. And if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. But why is it like that? Well, they've been trained to see themselves as blessed people. You can be a blessed person, but think cursed, and your life will manifest curse. Curse. How do you see yourself? Because what we think is what we do. Can I get an amen out there? Thoughts take you somewhere. It's like a subway. You go down the subway, you get on a train. You know where that train's going before you get on it. Why? Is that train as a destination? Can I get an amen? You wouldn't get on an airplane that you didn't know where it was going. Why? So that airplane's got a destination. A thought's the same way. So you got to learn to think blessed so you can end up in a blessed destination. You think cursed, you end up in a cursed destination. destination. Even when you're a blessed person, it's the way it works. Uh, it's just true. And so there's lots of great Christian people. Here's what I believe. The moment we say yes to Jesus, come on, the curse is broken and the blessing of Abraham is on our life. The very moment. <laughs> then how many know there's still some residue? that can hang around your life from the old life you were part of before. On the inside, your spirit's clean, right? Your spirit is blessed, but your mind can still be dirty and your mind can still be cursed, even though the spirit man's been changed. And so, I believe this. I believe the curse is broken the moment we say yes to Jesus, but little by little, bit by bit, step by step, the more we live in the church, hang out in the Word of God, or around the people of God, God begins to wash our mind with the water of the Word of God. And we don't think cursed anymore. We start to think blessed. We don't think in the flesh anymore. We start to think in the spirit. And that residue of the curse lifts off our life. It's really like a residue. You know, a a couple of days ago, my little boy, he turned 10 years old. Justice Samuel turned 10 this um, Friday. I think it was Friday night. And I was looking at a picture. We brought him home. Uh, He was born early and and, kind of small. He was like five pounds when we brought him home. You put him in the car seat, and they just look at five pounds. You know, we had some nine-pound babies. At five pounds, it's like, my Lord, I can't hit a speed bump. Y'all remember driving home with your first kid from the hospital? I remember crying. I'm like, my God, they're going to make us take this baby home. You know, what do you do with the baby? And it's your first kid, and you're driving slow, and you got, the, you got the radio down, and you drop a pacifier, and you throw it away. By the time you get that third kid, you wipe that pacifier off the bottom of your boot, and you put it in their mouth, right? You know they're going to be all right. But uh, our second turned 10. The other day, everything changes. You're like, oh, how deep's that flesh wound? You'll be all right, kids, you know. And, um, but 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 he turned 10. And and so we took him, he loves to eat hibachi. He's a kid after my own heart, right? It's like, bring on the fried rice. And how many know you get in there and, and we were eating it, I forgot the name, uh, kabuki. We were eating a kabuki. For people in West Texas, you know what it is. Uh, Kentucky folk, you guys like Shogun and some of them, but you know, you're sitting and they're cooking right in front of you. And so they come out and they're doing the show, they're cooking, they bring the rice and they fry the rice and they pour enough soy to swell you for a week on top of it and you get your swell on and uh, the guy throws the shrimp and it hits you in the eyeball. You you know, you try to catch it with your mouth. You do the whole bit, Justice loves it. So, So how many know when you eat there and you leave, you've left the food, but there's still a residue on you Where you've eaten hibachi. How many know what I'm talking about? So you were pretty well sitting in a walk for an hour and a half, right? (laughs) Now I love it. But, but, but. So you go to your workplace, if you had hibachi for lunch... People are thinking, man, I feel like uh, teriyaki chicken or fried rice all of a sudden when I get around you. They're looking at you, and they're like, uh, they're like uh, you know, volcano, and they're butterfly, and they're doing all the tricks because you smell straight up like hibachi. There's a residue that's still on you. All right, what the church does, it's the same way when you come into Jesus. Right, You've been born again, you've been changed, but there's still a residue on you from the world. And what happens little by little, week by week, moment by moment, word by word, sermon by sermon, prayer by prayer, that residue of the world and the curse starts to get broken off of your life and the evidence of the blessing starts to work out and it goes from the root to the fruit of your life. And then instead of living cursed, come on, you start living cursed. Blessed. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm blessed Tell them that today I am blessed See you're redeemed from all of those problems I want you to know this I want to, I want to show you some of the things That you're redeemed with And we're going to, we're going to end with this today Alright Because if you don't know what you're redeemed from You don't know what to start with or stop with You don't know what to stand against And what to accept Some Christians accept the curse in their life Because they don't know what Christ was cursed for so that they could be blessed in that area. And here's an exhaustive list. I want you to write down this scripture. I'm going to read some of it today to you. But I want you to write it down. I want you to read it this afternoon. This is the curse of the law. And this is everything that Christ has redeemed you from. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy 28 verse 15. Read all of Deuteronomy 28. Now I'll show you how God will bless you and what, what the curse is. What you don't have to take anymore if you're in Jesus. Come on, if Jesus paid for our blessing, why would we ever accept the curse in any area of our life? Amen? Right? If somebody went down and bought you a Maserati, would you drive off in a 70s model gremlin? Can I get an amen out there? Tell them to keep their gremlin, a Maserati's been paid for. Amen? I want everything that's mine. And, and here's what it says. Here's some of the curse that you're redeemed from. I just want you to see it. Deuteronomy 28 verse 15. This is what Paul's talking about. But it shall come to pass, if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God, to absorb carefully all his commandments and his statues which I command you today. All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. These are the curses that you're redeemed from. All of them will come. This is the curse of the law, breaking the law. This is what comes upon you. This is not a very encouraging scripture, but it will be encouraging when you know what you're redeemed from. Curse shall you be in the city. Curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Curse shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, curse shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, rebuke and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly. Because the wickedness of your doing in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you. Next verse, the Lord will strike you with consumption, fever, inflammation, severe burning fever, the sword, scorching, mildew. They'll pursue you until you perish. He goes on talking about the grounds being, being dust. If you skip all the way down in verse 27. He talks about all this stuff, but he says, you'll be struck with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, the scab, and with the itch. How many I want to be redeemed from the itch? My God, I don't even know what it is, but I don't want it. Can I get an amen out there? How many know all this stuff is bad? Turn to your neighbor and say, bad, bad, bad. Just tell them that, right? Come on, it's bad, Dumas. It's bad, Henderson. I got good news. All of that's there. That's in the curse. And if you can find it listed in the curse of the law, the Bible says Christ has redeemed you. Christ has redeemed you. I said Christ has redeemed you. Not your neighbor, not the preacher, not Billy Graham. It says you, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. How many are thankful that Christ hath redeemed us? Come on, let's give you my hand clap. Christ has redeemed us. Everybody say, Christ has redeemed me. Oh, praise the Lord. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And he goes on, he says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon your life. I'm no longer cursed. I'm absolutely blessed. I'm empowered to win. I'm anointed to prosper. I'm impossible to curse. Let me say that about you. You are anointed to win. You are empowered to prosper. You are impossible to curse. You are no longer cursed. You are blessed in Christ Jesus. So you can't let your mind go to a cursed position. Tell you what, if you live with somebody that goes to church, your spouse is Christian, you ought to remind yourself and remind each other when you're saying something that comes from a cursed perspective instead of a blessed perspective. Can I get an amen? We ought to help each other around the church. People are talking like it'll never work. I'm telling you it'll always work because whatever we touch, it prospers. Can I get an amen out there? It's a difference between, between uh, cursed thinking and, and blessed thinking. The, the cursed thinking says we're all going to die of the coronavirus. The blessed thinker says, man, I got a healer named Jesus and no pl- plague will come near my dwelling. It's a difference between blessed thinking and cursed thinking. The the the, the curse person says man in their mind well the economy can't stay this good it's going to crash but the blessed person says well that may be so but God can still cause my crops to grow in the middle of a famine because I'm blessed coming in I'm blessed going out I'm the head and not the tail I'm above only and I'm never beneath it's the way you think it's the way you talk it's the way you carry yourself it's all of that it's the blessing of God I really think what this kind of teaching says to you it's just like a parent that says, man, hold your head up and your shoulders back. You are somebody. How many of you hate to see your kids slouch over and hump over? Come on. It's when you use that anointed, just little anointed shove, right? Back, boom. Hold your head up and your shoulders back. You are somebody. I'm going to tell you, you're not a cursed person anymore. You don't have that curse that your family had on them. You're not an addict like your daddy anymore. You're not angry like your granddad anymore. You're not going to you're not going to burn out like this person or that person. You're blessed. You are empowered to win. You are you're anointed to win, empowered to prosper, impossible to curse. Can I get an amen? Come on. I want I want every campus to stand up on your feet right now stand up on your feet. Now, I want campus pastors to, to get prepared to come, and you can minister to, to that campus however you feel led right now, campus hosts, campus pastors that are coming, and I, 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 I so we bless you. John, Pastor John Tatum, we're going to pray for you together as a congregation, and then I'm going to turn it over to the campus hosts right where they are. Uh, Pastor John Tatum had surgery on his eyes this uh, just a couple of days ago, and had a problem that was attacking his sight. There was a surgery that could stop the attack, and they did it on Friday. And so far, we, we know it's a success. We know that, that you're not going to lose your sight in Jesus' mighty name because you have a healer. And, and, and we're going to pray for you right now. Come on, how I many you know it's, it's a year of perfect vision, 2020. Can I get an amen out there? Just this last Wednesday night at, at, at church right here in Amarillo. There was a lady, I wasn't here. I was with my granddad, had, a, had a, some heart issues, so I had to fly home and be with him for a little bit. But there was a lady that, that was blind in an eye and had problems in her other eye. She was prayed for in, in, in his church. And the sight came back into one of her eyes. How many years did she say it been since she'd seen through that eye? Three years. She hadn't seen through that eye in three years. Come on, somebody. God, God opened up that eye. Come on, revival, it's not coming. It's here, amen? It's not coming, it's here. It's not coming, it's here. So we're going to pray. Come on, let's join in faith right now for Pastor John Tatum. Father, we thank you that Pastor John Tatum, he can see. I I declare those eyes line up with the Word of God. I speak 20-20 vision. I say you see like like an eagle. You got got the eye of the Lord. I I think that the eye of the Lord rolls through you and you see clearer than you've ever seen. We speak healing. We thank you right now, Jehovah Rapha, that you touch Pastor John. You touch that entire congregation right now. His church, Henderson, I speak of blessing over you. I say the hand of God is on you in a supernatural way. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen, amen, amen.